Well, friends, uh, thank you for joining me today. And we are back at it here uh, with our study on Genesis. And I pray that uh, this will go well with you today. Uh, we are going over, uh, yeah, Cain. Continuing on with the story and the curse of Cain in the midst of his denial, ultimately his lack of repentance. Oh, why don't we uh, start with a word of prayer. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for this time as you have brought us here to hear your word. May this word, this living and active word, grant to us uh, always your wisdom and faith and comfort as we continue to live under your eternal care. Bless us, O Lord, in your promise, the mark of the mark of redemption, uh, the gift of salvation, Lord, the gospel, the sacraments. Lord, always grant us your covering, your seal, as we continue to live confidently um, in, the, in your word, uh, firm till the end. Lord, bless us this day. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, friends, uh, today, uh, as we continue on with our study of the book of Genesis, uh, this is Pastor Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California. Thank you for joining me wherever, however, which way ever, and whatever platform you're listening uh, to this, um, wherever you may be, uh, whether you're in California or whether you're in Florida or whether you're in Europe or whether you're in um, wherever it may be on this globe, I pray that this, will, uh, this word will go well with you. Um, okay. Yeah, let's just kick in. Let's, let's get this started. Are you guys ready? Are you ready? Okay. So, uh, if you have your Bibles out and if you could turn to Genesis, uh, chapter four here. Genesis chapter four, Cain and Abel, we know the story, right? I think it's very important, uh, pointedly that but we talk about Cain. Remember, he was already uh, instructed, uh, warned, let's say, uh, from the Lord saying, a sin is crouching at your door, right? You must rule over it, uh, for it has the desire for you. And that is pointedly verse 6 and 7. And um, that is the reality of what he was to face. Last week we talked about the first murder uh, of Cain in the field, killing his brother. Um, and there his blood would fall to the ground, of course. And here in verse 9, uh, we see the Lord now accosting Cain, saying to him, Where is your brother Abel? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, again, when we talk about repentance, right? Uh, what, is, what is repentance, simply? Anyone? I mean, repentance has two parts, contrition and faith. Contrition, sorrow, godly sorrow for sin. But also in that uh, turning, we confess. And there in faith, we rest in the promise of Christ, the gospel, absolution, the forgiveness of sins. Right? So when we talk about repentance, and Luther would always say it, uh, what does he say about repentance? That the Christian life 
is, is of repentance, right? And that is the life of faith, right? When we are convicted of our sin, as the law is written on our hearts, as it says in the Bible, uh, as from the acknowledgement or the law brings the acknowledgement of our sin in Romans chapter 3, uh, we very well know that what? That by the word of God, as we live in front of God, there we have godly sorrow for, for what we have done. We do not deny and say, what? Am I my brother's keeper? Right? Um. So, so again, uh, when we when we talk about uh, when we talk about denial, um, it, it is in complete uh, opposition to repentance. Right? Denial is that complete turn away from God and His Word. That there is no longer that call of faith to repentance to see the contrition the godly sorrow of our sin and there we go denying our sin and we turn away this is this is the progression of the ultimately what of the heart that is hardened calloused right that that, that this callous heart is so what so uh, uh, full of denial that there, when he is even asked by God, what does he say? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Who? What? Am I my brother's keeper? Right? We, we see this is the moment to where, what have you done? It's almost like David and, and Nathan saying, you are the man. Not, you're the man, but you are this man who I am talking about, who have sinned. And, and there, what does David do? What does he do? Oh, I know, I know we know the story in the book of Samuel, that he was angry about this uh, story that was told by Nathan. But when Nathan said, you are this man, what does he do? He confesses his sin. Right? Repentance. Now, what does Cain do? Deny, deny, and more denial. What? Am I my brother's keeper? This is in front of God himself. Think about that. That's how hardened his heart was. And again, why is this so important? And I want you to remember this. Why is this so important to to follow and to be humbly led by the word of God alone. Because we very well know our old Adam uh, makes excuses. Our old Adam desires uh, the sin and, and covets the flesh. Our old Adam denies ultimately what sin is in the first place. We see it in Christianity today, in, in especially sadly uh, when, when churches openly confess that the Bible is no longer uh, it only contains rather than is God-breathed, inerrant, right? We, we see that twisting. We see that diluting. We see that false teaching that where sin has become, well, shaped by culture rather than the Holy Scriptures. And there we also see a form of denial as well, denying sin for what it is. And there the callous heart proceeds on its path. You know, we say in the liturgy all the time, you know this verse, 1 John 1, 8 to 9. 1 John 1, 
verse 8 to 9. If you have your Bible out, I want you to turn there. And here it says, reading along, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right, we see right there, uh, again, if we say we have no sin, denial. What is it? We deceive ourselves, and what does it say? The truth is not in us. I know I'm writing really small on the board today. Hopefully you can see it, but there's not a lot of space. I should get two boards. Anyways, but uh, uh, that, that, that uh, the truth is not in us. See, this is uh, digging deeper into the heart of Cain, uh, into his shoes, as he, sees the, as he fails to see that before him was that great deception of denying his sin. Who am I, brother's keeper? Am I? And the truth is not in us. And even it says in verse 10 of 1 John 1 that we make God a liar when we do such things. Right? So there is a, a pointedness to this question of who am I, what? Am I my brother's keeper? There is this pointedness of, of the hardened heart in Cain as he is failing, not only in denying, but also in lacking repentance. And this is the reality of the hardened heart, that that's no sin at all. You know? And we see this. The, the devil doesn't work any differently even to this day. Right? The denial of sin, wow, this is where he has gotten us hook, line, and sinker. That is the devil's ploy, right? That we become the scriptures, or I become the purveyor, or the surveyor, or, the, uh, or from my own opinion, what I think sin is, or what culture uh, 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 is uh, what culture believes to be sin in this, in this day and age, rather than what the Holy Scripture says. And that's the key. What does the Word say? And, and that's why when we talk about the Word, uh, you know, the Word shows us, at the end of the day, our sin. The Word shows us the call to repentance, Luke 24, 44-47, Right? I mean, we see even in, 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 in Peter's sermon at Pentecost, it's that whole call to what? Repentance. What shall we do? The people said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, right? In the book of Acts. I know I'm kind of going really tangential here, but the point is, here we see uh, Cain really being deceived by his own calloused heart. And because of that lack of repentance, because of that unbelief and rejection of God and his word, there we see in the following 11 and 12, well, sadly and most tragically, uh, the curse, right? Um, Luther would say here on uh, pertaining to verse 9, um, when you feel in your conscience that you are guilty, Guard with your utmost effort against striving with God or with men by defending and excusing your sin. Right? Don't, don't, you know, this is the deception, right? We're trying to defend our sin or, or justify why we have sinned, right? Rather, do the following. Do not flee from God when he is pointing his spear at you, but flee to him with a humble confession of your guilt 
and a request for forgiveness. Therefore, there is nothing better and safer than to come with a confession of your guilt. Right? Flee to God in repentance. Right? Flee to God with repentance. And that is the life of faith. We're not making excuses for our sins. We're not denying our sin. We're not trying to justify our sin, but rather a flee to God in repentance. This is the life of faith. Remember, two parts, contrition and faith. All right, um, as we continue on here, um, let's see. Why don't we continue on with the reading from verse 10 and following in Genesis chapter 4. So turn back to the Old Testament. And here we see in Genesis chapter 4, 10 to 17. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Right? The blood of Cain crying from where? The ground. And as a prelude, remember the Lord saying, uh, the, the sin is like uh, crouching at your door and uh, uh, you must rule over it uh, for it has its desire for you. And, and there the Lord says, what have you done? The blood of Abel is crying out from the ground. Right? Um, this blood went into the ground. Abel's blood, the, the consequence for Cain. Now it's interesting when we when we parallel Abel and Jesus, let's say, there's a great parallel there, of course. Of course we know Abel is not Jesus, uh, but rather we look at Abel and we look at his position. Again, he he brought Again, he brought, uh, he was faithful, he was obedient, he was a shepherd, uh, he brought a pleasing sacrifice to God, Abel's blood cries out from the ground, Jesus again is faithful, obedient, he is the good shepherd, right? The one who lays his life down for the sheep, that his offering is himself as the all-atoning sacrifice. And by his blood, well, from the cross he cries out, it is finished, and there in the empty tomb, God would not be contained by the ground, but rather he would destroy death by his very resurrection to give you life in his name. And there we see um, Abel, uh, though he was betrayed, ironically, his life by faith was better off compared to Cain who tried to, uh, uh, what was it, in his envy and jealousy, kill his brother. Maybe he thought, now, now it is all good, I'm all alone, and I can live as I please. And there he thought he'd be better off. But what we find out here in verse 11 and 12, that is not the case. Now, what have you done? Your voice of your brother is crying. His blood is crying from the ground, verse 11 and 12. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So now we, there is this curse. Now, what is the curse? Verse 12, when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. So when we speak of the curse, um, oh, I don't know if this pen is that good. I'll try red. He becomes what? A wanderer? He becomes a fugitive? He becomes, um, or his vocation as a tiller of soil 
now becomes unproductive as that soil would not grow because of the blood that was shed as this blood was swallowed up into the ground. This is the very ground to which this soil just would not grow. Think about that as a farmer. Uh, this is what your vocation is. This is what your life is. And now when that's taken away from you, your effectiveness. There we see the ultimately the unsettling life of Cain. Right? And again, this away from the presence of God, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, I don't know why I'm writing so small on this board today, but apologies. Uh, There's just so much to write here. So when we talk about the wanderer, the fugitive, the the unproductive soil, uh, away from the presence of the Lord, this is the curse. Now again, think about this picture of Cain. He, he murdered his brother. He denies it. Now he receives this curse, this whole life that is defined by wandering. Now fugitive. When we talk about fugitive, what does that mean? It means someone who is running away from the law. A fugitive, you know, here in LA and California, uh, I think we're known as one of the most, uh, what's the word? Uh, there's many things that we're known for. We won't go there. But the point is, uh, we're known for the car chases, right? We're, we're known for uh, the fugitives that are running away from the law, right? And that is the life of Cain. He's always on the run. He doesn't have a permanent residence. He doesn't have a secure life. He's always looking behind his back because he is a fugitive, a wanderer. Not only that, the the soil, his job, his vocation, unproductive it is. And now, as we'll talk about soon, he is away from the presence of the Lord. This is the life of of the curse of, uh, of unbelief. It's that unsettling life. Unsettling. That means no peace. No joy. No security. No answer. No promise. No hope. I mean, his best laid plan supposedly was to murder his brother, but at the end of the day, what happened? The anvil was dropped on him. The judgment of God by this very denial, by this very sin, the curse was given, and here we see the results. Now, again, um, let me look on my notes here real quick and see if there's anything to say on that. Yes. No assurance as well. All right. Um, interesting, right? Uh, we, we look at uh, um, Adam and his judgment on the consequence of sin. How was that in uh, Genesis 3? What is it? Uh, Genesis 3, 17, 18, 18. Genesis 3, 18 reads, Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Now again, thorns and thistles are there, but yet these plants of the fields would grow, right? Uh, for Cain, it was far worse. This plant wouldn't grow. Right? Again, we see the consequence that uh, he so markedly deserved, in a sense of his rejection, in a sense of his unbelief, in a sense of his lack of repentance. Again, here is where we see uh, his life as it is now. Um, okay. Um, verse 13 and 14. Why don't we read this together? <clears throat> K 
Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Now again, he is going back to the lack of repentance. He is focusing on self. Right? In a sense where uh, he fails to see what he has done. Now he is pointing to God and almost saying, Lord, this is too much. Now imagine that. He murdered his brother. He's denying it. And now he's going to God with that audacity. Uh, how could he say, you are giving me too much of a punishment? Now again, if we were in his shoes, how much we would be shaking in our boots, wouldn't we? for the guilt, for the shame, for the sorrow, for our sin. But yet we see here, always Cain is trying to preserve himself in so many different ways. Right? That he is a wanderer, he's a fugitive. What does it say right there? That uh, he is uh, someone who will find me, will kill me. We definitely see his plight as uh, he is facing uh, the, the, the repercussions of what he had done, and ultimately because of his lack of repentance. And that is very important, right? You know, Christianity is not about being perfect. That is not what it means to be Christian, right? That is not what it means to have faith. When someone asks you, uh, how is your faith life? I mean, your, your, your first answer uh, should be what? It's wonderful, right? And you might say, oh, well, that's very self-righteous, right? But no, it is because your faith is the work that has been accomplished for you, right? Um, it's not simply, oh, my faith is good because I've done this and that and this and that. And again, those are good things. We should pray. We should hear God's word and all these things. And those are what feeds us and nourishes us in this one true faith. But ultimately, all those things point to Jesus, who is our faith, right? So when we talk about uh, uh, Cain, uh, he was suffering in his own uh, unbelief, in in his rejection of of God and his word. And, And yet we see right here how he is trying to preserve himself in his state of insecurity, that he was naked and he was wandering and, and fugitive-like. And he had no place. He was exposed. He, he didn't know what to do. And he thought, well, this is too much to bear. Again, he killed his brother. Think about that. Right? Uh, usually uh, when we uh, are convicted of our sin, uh, there is a great amount of remorse. where We say, yes, Lord, I deserve this. I deserve this, I deserve this. But here we see Cain really stuck in himself still, right? Um, And and therefore he says, uh, whoever will find me will will kill me. But as we continue on here, in verse 15 and 16, why don't we read that together? Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who find him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Right? Here we see it. 
Um, there is protection, and that is the mark. But yet, he lives under the curse. Now, what do I mean by that? Simply that the Lord had provided him protection of this very mark. And we don't quite know what this mark looks like. But there was a mark that anyone who would attack uh, or anyone who would kill Cain uh, would, would, have, would be avenged sevenfold, right? Um, and uh, there we see this mark. But yet, the, the nuance there is that what? That still anyone could kill Cain. I mean, they would have that consequence, but they could still kill Cain. You know, that is the mark, again, of, of, of the calloused heart, of the hardened heart. And none of us are immune to that, trust me. Um, that hardened heart, that calloused heart is very, very, very easy in our sinful nature. Now, what, what, what leads us is God's word. What guides us is God's word. What points us to Christ is God's word. And that's why we ought to hear it time and time again. But also, when we talk about mark, what is your mark? What is your mark? And that is the mark that God has given to you. In holy baptism. When we talk about marks, this mark reminded Cain of what? That number one, that he was protected, but number two, of his, this mark reminded him of his own sin, his banishment, and ultimately the curse. Now, for you, your mark that God has given to you in holy baptism, this is the mark to which you have been given by His grace. This is who you are by the very mark that God has called you to be His own. You didn't decide, you didn't make this decision or will to be baptized, but God by His grace, just like the gospel and the sacraments parallel to each other, or not parallel, or synonymous with each other in a sense where this is what God is doing by His mercy and grace. God gives us Jesus. He sends His Son to die for us and rise for us for the sins of the world, Jesus does. And there, by the fruits of His death and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins, Jesus institutes holy baptism and marks us to be His own, robing us in His righteousness. This is the mark, you guys. You know, everyone, I know I'm getting into this, and I know my, my voice is getting loud. <laughs> Sorry about that. But robing in righteousness, this is the mark. No, everyone's searching for mark. Everyone's searching for something in this world to define them. But in this time of grace, God gives to us the very mark within our own sin, washing away our unrighteousness, granting us and cleansing us, and giving us the assurance of salvation, knowing that by the water and the power of God's word, the efficacy of that very word in the water, connecting us, Romans 6, to His death and resurrection, robing us and saving us and forgiving us of all of our sin, this is the daily mark. So when we do the sign of the cross, let's say, let's say you do the sign of the cross, not mandated, of course, um, but uh, when, I, when I do the sign of the cross, uh, usually in the morning at mealtime, um, when I sleep, um, it, it's always a reminder of the mark. That is what God has given to me. That is the promise that he gives uh, through the power of God's word in the sacrament, right? And, and, and this, is, 
all the fruits of the cross. Right? We don't detach Jesus' death and resurrection to the sacraments. After all, Jesus instituted uh, the sacraments. Uh, and, and there, by the promise of Christ and his word, we are his own. This is the mark as we live, not in the land of Nod, but under his name. Repentance and forgiveness. What does baptism indicate? That daily we drown the old Adam, right? Daily we drown the old Adam. Uh, let, me, let me just turn to my, uh, what's it, my uh, catechism real quick here. I have it here, so might as well turn to it. Again, this is, this is a full-on live recording. I don't, I don't do too much. Uh, I never do any editing to these things. So um, this is just off the cuff. But here on page 300, 302 in the catechism, we see, uh, what does such baptizing with water indicate? What baptism indicates is, it indicates that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. So, daily be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires in repentance. See, we see the difference. Repentance, confession of sin, contrition, faith, forgiveness. Right? Daily we drown our old Adam. Right? That is the life of the Christian, is of repentance. Now, Cain shows us that life of denial. Where everything else falls apart in a sense where we are so stuck in ourselves that we deny our sin. We try to justify our sin. We try to do everything to excuse us from the repercussions of our sin as we see right here in verse 13 and 14. And this is the mark that would lead him. And that is of the curse. Right? See, again, we have have that Cain likeness in us as well. But the difference is, is that in this life of faith, you know, uh, as we corporately confess our sins time and time again every Sunday uh, together, and even every day, again, if you ever need private confession and absolution, go to your pastor, and he will lovingly and and gracefully uh, 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 give that for you, right? But at the end of the day, this is what the Christian life is about. It's about the mark of a Christian, It is about resting in, as we look at our sin in the mirror and see what we have done, resting in the faith that is of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, resting in the mark that God has given to us in our baptism, right? Now, again, do we forget that mark at times? Yes. Do we live as if we are defined by this world, by our flesh, by our covetous desires and carnal pleasures? Yes. But at the end of the day, when we look at scriptures, when we look at our faith, this is the mark, holy baptism. This is our protection, that there, this mark doesn't remind us that we are banished or cursed, but rather this mark points us to the paradise to which God has prepared for us by his body and blood in, uh, given to us in that water and word for the forgiveness of our sins. This is the mark. Anyways, I know I believe that point right there, and we're getting late. But here we see at the conclusion, verse 17, uh, we see that he is now wandering to the land of Nod. Very key point here, verse 17, or verse, uh, sorry, verse uh, 16. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod. Right? Um, he settled in the land of Nod. 
And there we see the storied life of Cain. Now, Cain's line, um, God would continue to provide, as we'll talk about next week, provide Cain's line and his life. But yet we know the story, a lot of issues, a lot of problems, all rooted towards Cain and his curse and his sin. Right? The fact is, what we can learn from this is what? Um, we could try to hide from our sin. We could try to deny, deny, deny. But God knows our hearts. In this baptismal life that God has given to you, number one, if you haven't been baptized, talk to your pastor ASAP. Number two, in this baptismal life, as we talked about what baptism indicates, this is the mark to which we have been given by the grace of God. And there our faith resides. Right? Our faith resides in the promise of Christ. For Cain, what, where does his faith reside? In his denial. What does that result in? Fugitive, wandering, unproductive soil, turning away from God, right? away from his presence. Again, don't you see the deception? That we, this path of Cain, dead end, right? Dead end. Yet when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he will cleanse us. Uh, he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the difference. This is the life of faith. It's not about how perfect you are, but it's how Christ has perfected you by his blood. Right? That when we do confess our sins in this one true faith, there Christ is saying, you are absolved, you are forgiven. My blood has proven and sealed and, and my blood was shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins so that you may have life in his name. And this is who you are. God has, has and continues to sustain you in this very promise, in this life of faith. So remember that. This is your mark. We're not living like a fugitive or wandering or, or we're not living um, in great discouragement and in peril, but rather we're not living in this unsettled life, but rather we are in his peace. We are living with joy, with hope, with the mighty fortress, the eternal security, with the blessed assurance, because this mark of grace is what? That Jesus dies for you. He gives you life in his name. And that is your mark ultimately found from the fruits of the cross in the water and word of holy baptism. What a great gift this is. So remember that this day. There's a lot to be done here. It's not just legal. It's not legalism we're talking about here with Cain. He just has to do better. No. It's the lack of faith, lack of repentance, right? It is the utter denial uh, of what sin was ever before him. As the Lord said, it's crouching at your door. He just, again, uh, a great study here on the life of repentance. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Lord, bless us and humble us as you uh, humble us by your word as the word shows us uh, our sin, that by the very law we are acknowledged of what is ever before us. Lord, uh, grant us and, 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 and give us your comfort knowing full well that by your blood we are indeed forgive, forgiven of our sins. Bless us in this word and and guide us by your spirit and lead us always in your eternal truth, knowing full well uh, that that you indeed uh, are just and faithful and you forgive us of all our sins. Thank you for this day. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, thank you for joining me today. Uh, We're right at that 38-minute mark. Have a wonderful day. Love you all. Praying for you all. Until next time, join us Sunday. Pacific Standard Time, 
8 a.m. faithmorepark.com on YouTube, Faith More Park. Subscribe, like, do everything like that, and join us as, you, um, as we always grow together in the Word of God. Okay, I'm done enough. I've talked too much. Love you all. Praying for you all. Until next time, this is Pastor Jung here, Faith Lutheran Church, Moore Park, California, 93021. Have a wonderful day. God bless. Adios. And goodbye. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmorepark.com.